0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius audio podcast. White guy with a beard? Yeah. Oh my God, you are! You're Jesus Christ! He died for our sins so that we could be saved. And in my religion, it means we can f up as much as we want, and as long as we are truly sorry, and then we're saved. A white guy looks like he's from the 60s a reason to believe and to continue on in your life and your journey. Not that blonde-haired dude that they show in all those pictures. I think Jesus was just a story made up by someone. Could have been probably a a real person. It's something special, but uh, not not, not like the story says. I'm actually glad you're all here tonight. I want to tell you that one of you will betray me. Nah, just kidding ah, He's doing that thing he did in his storybook uh, Jesus, a friend of mine from Puerto Rico I don't know I, I don't know Jesus very well so. Jesus Like Jesus The son of God Jesus is my Lord and Savior Definitely not the guy who cuts my lawn Dear tiny infant Jesus Hey, um, you know, sweetie Jesus did grow up You don't always have to call him baby It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. Yes, there's definitely something special about Jesus. The same things that are special about me and you and, well, everybody. Definitely good morals and beliefs, and um, possibly had some special gift. Jesus. My it's Jesus. It's, it's Jesus! It's and his best pal, Peter. Oh, 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 wow! Who do you say Jesus is? <sighs> that. He's really important his birthday's coming up. People believe in Jesus. He's your savior. He's number one. Everyone is giddy with anticipation for Jesus to come out because, as we all know, if Jesus comes out of his house and is not scared by his shadow, it means the next thousand years will be full of peace and love. He was just really chill. I think he even smoked some pot, so I love Jesus even more. He seems like a kind of Gandhi type guy. Some superpower, I just don't know. I, I believe in him, my name, so. <laughs> uh, he was Jewish. Look, I think he's inspiring for a lot of people, so that's really cool to me. God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> a make believe story that got blown out of proportion. Very interesting. I know that. That clip may have angered some of you, and it may even have offended some of you. I know the first couple times I watched it, I was a bit taken back myself to think, wow, that's what our culture thinks of Jesus. That, I understand I grew up in a pastor's home, so I've celebrated like 50 resurrection Sundays, and I'm getting ready to celebrate 51 um, so I've grown up with an understanding, being taught of who Jesus was, but as I, I watched this video clip, it brought me to awareness that there's a culture around us that doesn't have a proper perspective of who Jesus is. They don't have a right understanding of who Jesus is or what he came to do. They are all different kinds of different views of Jesus, but how many of you know not all views are accurate? The greatness of God is most clearly displayed in His Son. The glory of Jesus is, is only made evident in and through the Son. But again, not every Jesus is the real Jesus. The reality is, is, is there's all these different views as to who Jesus is. But it's critical, it's critical that we have the right view. And it's critical that we have a right view, a right perspective. Because if we don't have a right perspective of Jesus, it can bring us to a crisis of faith. Because Jesus is the only way of salvation. He is the only solution to the crisis, to the problem of humanity. So if you don't have a right perspective, a right view of who Jesus is, it's quite possible that you might miss the very salvation that God's made available to us through Jesus Christ. Why? Because you have a a, a wrong perspective. This morning we want to look at a passage of Scripture where where the people in this story, in this text, had a wrong perspective of Jesus. They were looking for a king who would solve all the problems. They were looking for uh, a king that would free them from the oppressive Roman rule. But that's not what Jesus came to do. He actually came to solve a greater problem for humanity. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. But in Mark chapter 11, we have Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Again, if you've not... Uh, looked at the calendar. Today is is Palm Sunday, the Sunday that Jesus would have rode into Jerusalem. And it's this that sets up for the events that would follow, leading us to Good Friday, leading us to that of Christ's crucifixion, and then on to, to Resurrection Sunday. But this event uh, for the Jewish people uh, was a big event. It's what they were awaiting for, the coming of the promised Messiah. Um, they did not fully understand The kingdom that Jesus came to establish. But they were waiting for. They were looking to what God had promised. The coming of the Messiah. fact, 500 years earlier the prophet Zechariah had had, uh, spoken of this very day. The very day that Jesus would come into Jerusalem. So think about that. 500 years before it happened. God through Zechariah gave this picture of what was going to happen. Listen as I read this from Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. He'll proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus fulfilled these prophetic words as he came riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey just before the Passover celebration. Although the people welcomed him as a conquering king, they didn't fully understand the path that Jesus would take to become their king. Because this very group of people who were lining the streets, who had lined the streets, who were crying out, Hosanna, just a few days later, would be the very crowd that would cry out, Crucify Him. Why? Because they didn't have a proper perspective. They didn't have a right understanding of who Jesus was and the kingdom that He was coming to establish. So let's read this story. Mark chapter 11. The text is on the screen, or if you have your Bibles, you can just follow along. Beginning with verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, And to Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent out two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there which no one else has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it, and he'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a coat outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that coat? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So this event, as I mentioned earlier, happened just before Passover. Just a couple days after the triumphal entry, what we know, Jesus would be in the upper room with the disciples there celebrating the Passover meal. The Passover meal is actually a prophetic picture of what Jesus came to do. He came to die. That's why I'm so excited about what's going to happen on Wednesday. We're going to connect the Passover feast of the book of Exodus to that of the cross at Calvary, because they're connected. Again, God was revealing how he was going to bring deliverance to his people through Jesus Christ. So it's important that we understand Passover is happening. So what does that mean? Historians would tell us there would have been 2 to 3 million Jews in the city of Jerusalem at this time. Why? Because every good Jew would go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So they would be traveling for miles upon miles. So the city would have been overflowing with people, and it was on... This time, it was in this time and on this day that Jesus would make his entry into Jerusalem. And it's interesting, on the back of a donkey, not the back of a horse. The coat of a donkey. So why is that so important? Well, in this time, if a king came into Jerusalem riding on the back of a horse, he would be identified as a conquering king, and was symbolic of a conquering king. If a king came riding into the city, the city of Jerusalem, on the back of a donkey, it was symbolic of a king of peace, whom Jesus came what as, as the king. Of peace, and as he comes riding into Jerusalem, the scripture tells us that the people are screaming out. They're shouting. They've taken their cloaks. They've, they've lined the street. They have these palm branches. They put in the street, and they're and they're screaming out, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." Or basically, this is what they're saying. They're saying, "Hosanna! God's word is being fulfilled. The Messiah has come." So they recognized he was the Messiah. And they were crying out, Hosanna. Interesting, this word Hosanna means this. It means save now. Save now. So the people had lined the streets and they were crying out, You are the Messiah, save us now. It was the cry for help used by people in distress when they addressed their God or King. Basically the people, the Jewish people on that day were saying, You are the Messiah, save us from the oppressive Roman rule. That was the perspective, that was the view they had of the king, of King Jesus. They were most likely remembering what happened earlier in their history. The year was 167 BC, if you know anything about the history of of Jerusalem. 167 BC, there was a wicked king, the king of Syria, his name was Antiochus, Of Epiphanes, Antiochus of Epiphanes, he overthrew uh, the rulership in Jerusalem, moved into Jerusalem, and he did everything. This wicked king did everything he could to wipe out the Jewish faith. He overtook the temple, and where Jehovah God had been worshipped, he established the worship of the false god Zeus. Not only that, on the holy altar where where sacrifices had been given, he brought in swine. He brought in pigs and had pigs sacrificed on the altar to defile the altar. The chambers outside the temple, he turned them into brothels. Basically a prostitute's house in the temple. When he did everything he could to destroy the Jewish faith. And that, In that same season, so 167, he overthrew um, the powers in Jerusalem. In 163, there was a deliverer by the name of Judas Maccabees. Judas Maccabees. Um, used by God to bring deliverance for his people Judas Maccabees, Maccabees gathered an army they overthrew Antiochus of Epiphanes drove him out of the city of Jerusalem and it was Judas Maccabees that that reconsecrated the temple and reestablished worship back in the temple, and even today we have the Feast of Hanukkah that 's all about the celebration of this Judas Maccabees. But when Judas Maccabees rode into the city of Jerusalem, historians would tell us that he came in on the back of a white stallion, he came in as a conquering king, so these individuals who 've lined the streets of jerusalem they 're thinking back to that in their history, here comes Jesus, and they 're saying basically Jesus, save us now. Save Save us from the oppressive Roman rule. Save us from those who are, uh, um, who are bringing injustice in our lives. Hey, they thought that Jesus was coming as a conquering king. They missed the fact that Jesus was coming as a king of love and a king of peace. They missed the fact that Jesus the Messiah would come and he would establish salvation, not through power and might, but he would establish salvation through the cross hey, they had a wrong understanding of the king it was, really, it was really a case of mistaken identity the Jews wanted a king and they wanted deliverance but they, they wanted it their way does that sound familiar what do we want we want salvation but we want it our way don't we we want Jesus to we want Jesus to save us but then we want him to do what we want him to do sounds really familiar to even our day See, they wanted a king, but they wanted, but they wanted it their way. They misunderstood the salvation that Jesus would bring. See, they were looking for a king, a savior, a deliverer who would free them from the oppressive Roman, Roman rule. In their minds, they were welcoming the one who would take the throne of David and once again make Israel great. That's why they were crying out, Hosanna, save us now. And the Jews wanted, they wanted peace through the political system. Does that sound familiar? What do we want? We want, we want peace to Washington, D.C. The Jews wanted peace to the political system. They wanted Jesus, the King, again, to overthrow the Roman rule, to establish, to bring peace for the city and peace for the region. The Jews wanted salvation without sacrifice. They wanted salvation. It would happen through the throne, not through the cross. The Jews wanted Jesus to solve all their problems. Does that not sound familiar? What do we want? We want Jesus to solve... Jesus, you know, I'm going to follow you, but I want you to solve all my problems. And if you don't solve all my problems, then what's wrong with you, Jesus? The Jews wanted a king, but they didn't want the kingdom of God. They wanted a king who would establish rulership, but they were not ready for the kingdom that Jesus came to establish Jesus came as a king, but he was unlike every other king. Every other king, down through history, has been about titles and power and position and subjecting people to their control. But Jesus came as a king who would die that humanity might live. That's why he was different than any and every other king. So who was this king? Jesus was the king of peace who would bring reconciliation. See, Jesus came that we might have peace with God and the peace of God. See, the, crisis, the crisis for humanity is this. is We were separated from God. We needed someone to bridge the gap. We needed someone to make us right or righteous before God. That's what we needed. Jesus, what was the King of Peace who made possible reconciliation? Because we were separated from God. But now Jesus through the giving of his life, has made possible that we might have peace with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, "But, But God made him, being Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, or that we might be reconciled to God. So who was Jesus? He was the king of peace who came to bring reconciliation. How many of you know that's good news for us today? Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Go ahead and tell them, I can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Not only was Jesus the king of peace, he was also a king who was on a rescue mission. As Jesus entered Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, the people were looking for, they were anticipating rescue. That's why they were crying out, Hosanna. Basically, they were saying, Jesus, you're the Messiah, rescue us now. Rescue us. And again, they just, they had the wrong perspective. They were saying, Jesus, rescue us from the injustice of the Romans. They wanted rescue from the oppress, the oppression of the taxation of their nation. They wanted rescue from the pressure to worship false gods that they were experiencing through the Romans. See, Jesus came to bring rescue, but it was not the type of rescue they were looking for. He came to rescue humanity from the power and penalty of sin. You know, the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans that the wages of sin, the cost of sin is what? It's a death. So what did Jesus do? He came to rescue us from death. He came to give His life that we might have life. In John 3.17, Jesus said these words, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world or to rescue the world through him. So Jesus was a king who was on a mission that would require his death and resurrection that we might be rescued. That we might be rescued from our sin. And that we might have abundant life and eternal life. You know, Jesus was also a king who established an everlasting kingdom. You know, down through the years, if you study world history, down through the years there have been a lot of great kings. And there's been a lot of great kingdoms. But here's the thing about the kings and the kingdoms of this world, they all came to an end. I mean, there's Alexander the Great. At a young age, in his early 30s, he conquered the then-known world. And he was declared the Great One, Alexander the Great, the, the, who established the, the Greek Empire. Shortly after he conquered the then-known world, he died. And his kingdom was divided among four men. And then before long, the Greek empire came to an end. Why? Because it was a kingdom that was of this world. There was King Cyrus, the king of the Persians. If you know anything about King Cyrus, he was a king of great power, great wealth. He established this Persian empire. But guess what? King Cyrus died and his empire came to an end. There's King Augustus who founded... The Roman Empire, through his 41 years of kingship, Rome came to great power. But again, like every other king and every other every other kingdom of this world, his kingdom came to an end. But the kingdom that Jesus established will never will never end. It was established through his death and resurrection, and life eternal life is available because of that. What to anyone and everyone. Who would choose to believe, who would choose to receive that of Christ's provision. What we can be a part, we can be a part of the kingdom that God has established. You know, this past week I did two funerals, two funerals of family members here at Grace Covenant. And obviously, as it is in every funeral situation, there was sadness, there was grief, there was sorrow. But in the midst of the sadness and the grief and the sorrow, can I tell you there was also celebration. Why? Because we were celebrating the fact, not that someone's life ended, but that someone's life really began. For those two individuals, listen, when they took their last breath here, they graduated to heaven. Why? They were a part of a kingdom that will never end. It's a kingdom that's both present and future it's a kingdom that's both about the, the the uh the blessing of abundant life and the promise of eternal life it's a kingdom that is unshakable matter of fact the author of hebrews says this hebrews chapter 12 verse 8 says this is about the kingdom that we are inheriting listen as i read this is therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken in other words it's unchangeable can't be shaken let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Listen, today, today through Jesus Christ, we have the privilege of being a part of an everlasting kingdom. A kingdom that we will enjoy for all eternity. What Through the provision of Christ. Jesus was also a king who defeated the enemy, not by might, but through the, but through the cross. Not by power, but through the cross. You know, other kings, throughout down through history, other kings fought physical battles to rescue and expand their kingdom. They, they would go into battle to conquer their enemies. They would use both battle strategy and power to subdue, to overthrow their enemy. But Jesus did not take that approach. His strategy was not to gather an army. His strategy was not to get a bunch of generals together to, to amass this army to go into a war. No, Jesus... Defeated the enemy by giving his life. He defeated the enemy by laying his life down through his death and resurrection. Satan has been defeated, the penalty of sin was paid, and death has been robbed of his power. Christ the King, who defeated the enemy through the cross. Paul summarizes this really well in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. The verses on the screen. I want to invite you to read this with me because this scripture is about you. It's about what Christ has provided for you, what Christ has provided for me. So let's read it together. Would you read it with me? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. How? By the cross. Jesus Christ was the King who defeated the foe, who defeated the enemy through the cross, giving for us life. Through the cross, Jesus secured victory what looked like defeat on Friday became the ultimate victory. And today, Jesus Christ is what He is, the reigning King. Listen, having a right perspective of who Jesus is is critical. We must see Jesus not by who we want Him to be. That was the problem on Palm Sunday for the people who were lying in the streets of Jerusalem. They were seeing Jesus for who they wanted Him to be, not for, not for who He was. And we need to see Jesus as who He is and who He says He is. So who who does Jesus proclaim Himself to be? Listen to this. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Son of God who is fully God. He's the one who was crucified and resurrected, the Savior of the world. He's the King eternally immortal, the everlasting God. He is the Savior of the world. That's our King. That's who we worship. That's who we celebrate. As we wrap this up this morning, I thought it would be um, I thought it would be great for us to declare the very thing that the individuals declared on that triumphal Sunday as Jesus came into the streets of Jerusalem, riding on the back of a donkey. The Scripture says that the, that the crowd had gathered, they were, they were dancing, they were celebrating, and they were screaming out, Hosanna. But again, they didn't have a clear understanding of who Jesus was and what He came to do. They were thinking He was going to bring salvation, rescue through the throne, but it was not the throne, it was the cross as He gave His life. So this morning, I thought it would be great if we declared Hosanna, the very words they said, but we do so today with a greater understanding. Why? Because we know who Jesus is, and we know what He's done for us. Therefore, we can say, save us now. Bring the fullness of your salvation in our lives. So I'm going to ask if you would stand to your feet. Let's declare this together this morning. Hosanna to the King. See you. To face the day. Amen. Come on. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away. church and sing this together cause when we see you we find strength to face the day in your presence all our fears are washed away when we see you we find strength to face the day in your presence all our fears washed away Washed away Oh, Roseanne Some God we serve amen i 'm going to ask our prayer teams if they would come as we conclude today, possibly you're here and you 've not had a correct perspective of who Jesus is i don 't know how that might be distorted or have been distorted, but Jesus Christ came for this purpose to die that we might live, that we might have a life. He came to bring rescue. He did it through the cross. And on the third day, he got up out of the grave. So what does that mean for us? It means life. So if you're here today and you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, you've not embraced the gift that God's given, listen, you were created for relationship with God. So if you're not experiencing that, please come talk with one of these leaders. Give them an opportunity to share with you how Jesus Christ can be your Lord and Savior. Beyond that, if you have a need, a physical need, financial need, relational need, listen, here at Grace Covenant, we believe God's able. God's able, amen? God is able. That's why we pray bold, courageous prayers. Why? Because we believe all things are possible with God. So if you have a need, please, don't leave until you see one of these leaders. Give them an opportunity just to agree with you for God's provision, His breakthrough in your life also the communion tables are open if you'd like to come and celebrate communion we have that for you it's self served just come and embrace the provision of the cross well thanks for coming out today as you go into this week I pray God's blessing that his favor would abound in your life and may you go forth this week in this Easter week proclaiming Hosanna proclaiming that our God is a God who saves this is what I know. We live in a world that's desperate for Jesus. They're desperate for hope. So we have the hope of Christ in us. So what do we want to do? We want to carry that hope forth this week. May people see and experience the reality of Christ in your life. God bless you. Have a great week. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.